0: Welcome to Kibi of Liberty.
1: Jack, how's it going?
0: I'm doing great. Good to see you. Yeah,
1: I I thought we would do something. I don't do this that much, but I thought we'd do kind of a current events kind of thing. Sure. Hot issues in, in the press, and, and we try not to get dragged into the news cycle and all the, the angry rage bait. bait sure. But, but th- there's there's a couple things I'm angry about. So Especially we'll fudge
0: rounds. Down. I don't know if you've heard about yeah. this in Richmond, north of Richmond, but we'll, yes. s- we'll, we'll get to that eventually. Um, I've never had a fudge round. Have you? I have. That was when I was a kid. It's been a very long time since is, I thought is that about a, is that is it a southern thing? If they are, I just learned this, and maybe it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's Charleston, too. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, but maybe fudge rounds are in that. Yeah. That category. <laughs> well, let's, now that you've brought this up,
1: let's talk about the rich men north of Richmond. Those, they don't sound like good people.
0: No, they don't. And they're not good people as we sit here north of Richmond right now, yeah. but uh, we're good people. I hope we, I wouldn't be here if, if we were not. Um, I think it's a wonderful song. Um, it was immediately pinned as right wing. The main complaint about it is what we just joked about, the line in it that says, my taxes shouldn't go to fudge rounds, which he's talking about people on government assistance or welfare. But the rest of it is working class struggle, the devaluing the dollar taxes are too high it could have been a song by Pete Seeger in a different era or you know he could have played the Newport Folk Festival in 1968 nobody would have batted an eye but for a left-leaning establishment press and anybody that's criticized it They've so left that barn, you know, worrying about socioeconomics and things like that, and they've replaced it with identity politics. Matt, you probably remember after Trump won in 2016 that Bernie Sanders told his party, hey, we need to talk about the working class again, and it can't be hey, vote for me because I'm a woman. He was basically saying, we need to not go down this identity politics road and let's talk about the poor and the working class again. And basically, though, people were like, "Uh, shut up, Bernie. And he hasn't talked much about it since. And when a song like this comes out, it's pegged as right wing when it's really not. Oliver Anthony, the singer, says he's kind of a centrist. Um, He said in a recent interview that when he was younger, he thought of himself as a Republican, but not for long because he hated the Iraq War. Yeah. So, so did most Democrats back then, or at least the base of the Democratic Party, if not the members. But it's bizarre how it's been pinned to this. So I think some people don't like the music, but like the message. I love the message, and I love the music. I think he's a great singer, and I want to hear more from him. He already has an anti-war song out that he just put out.
1: His um, his style reminds me a lot of, uh, there's a there's a stripped-down album that Tyler Childers did, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the name of it right now, but uh, there's, there's nothing um, that... The the people that react to that and say that's not good music really don't understand a very rich tradition that that comes not just from Appalachia but that the the whole region.
0: Agree, and I could res- look there's there's music I do not like that is a fact, but I can also say that's not my jam, but it's good. Mm-hmm. It's just not for me, and I think a lot of people listening to the song, if they were more honest, they would say that. Or on the left side of things, they would be extremely honest, and they're not going to do this and say. I don't really care about the song one way or the other. Maybe they secretly think it's good. But what they're really irritated by is that so many regular people, it's striking a chord with them, and they don't like that. Yeah. Because they're on the left. They're good. This identity politics stuff is the end goal, and this is outside of that. And these conservative people like it. And just like my mom likes it, or Pete that you know picks up the trash or whatever likes it, they don't like that it's striking that kind of chord with so many people. And I guess nor should they from their position, but be honest about it. Don't just say the song sucks or whatever, yeah. or he well, can't sing.
1: And it, this this goes to a lot of these um, fake outrage kind of stories. I, I think the real angst when you really dig a little bit deeper is probably about the collapsing of the top-down systems that decided what kind of music we got to have in this case and 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 you know his his whole career Oliver Anthony's career was launched on Twitter basically right and so you have all of these disruptive technologies and suddenly he's on the top of the Billboard charts and there's a lot of cigar chomping music moguls somewhere saying What is this bullshit that I didn't I didn't sign off on this guy?
0: That's that's exactly right. And reports say that he was offered eight million dollars by one music label, whatever, and turned it down. Um, I guess if you're singing a song about Richmond, North of Richmond, all want to have total control that can extend to the entire northeast and record companies based in New York and whatnot. And I don't speak for Oliver Anthony. But if that's true, that's pretty amazing. I would have taken the eight million dollars. I got to be honest with you right here. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Well, it, it depends on the terms of the contract. And, and it, he may be pulling a Tucker Carlson and he may have some smart people around him say, you know what, you could own your own music future and you, you could do this without signing a contract where some middleman gets a huge piece of what you do. And I, I don't know if that's the story or not but that that could well be what he's thinking
0: i i think you're probably right we don't know this man but just speculating on the state of the music industry and just the entertainment industry and how we consume things nowadays you don't need all the middlemen i'm a big fan of social distortion and they were on epic i think when they did the ball and chain record that had been 1990 and i noticed some of the later label later records weren't on a label and this is you know getting on 10 years 15 years from that nor were a band I like from Seattle called the Supersuckers. They were on sub-pop records. If A lot of people know what that is. That was Nirvana and, and whatnot early on. After a while, they weren't on a label. And as a musician and pe- a fan of these bands, that's what it was. They didn't need it. They didn't need the distribution that a record label might have provided. So if you're Oliver Anthony and he's sitting at 44 million views on YouTube of this one song, you're probably going to have a pretty good career on your own. You might need some people around you that knows the ins and the outs of how to, to operate the business side. But... Yeah, he might be doing it for that reasons, and who could blame him?
1: So you recently wrote an article on based politics uh, about um, Oliver Anthony's song and the backlash against it, and, and digging a little little bit deeper into trying to figure out what those lyrics are all about, and you you reopened a can of worms that I love, uh, the debate over libertarian populism. Sure. And there are there are certainly some of my purest libertarian friends. Are triggered by the word populism yes, they because they they airdrop. Um, you know, is it nationalism? Right. Is it socialism? Um, what what flavor of populism in this is is this? But I've always described myself as a libertarian populist mm-hmm. sure. for the simple reason that I would like to translate these libertarian values into something that is appealing and and reachable for for people um, all across the economic and social spectrum and that's essentially what this song is doing. Like you just just broke the billboard charts, dude. Um, Absolutely. And why wouldn't we want to be popular enough to engage in a popular culture in such a tremendous way?
0: Absolutely. I want to say two things to what you just said. Let's, I want to talk directly, which camera am I looking at here, to my libertarian friends who have a problem with the word populism. I know what's in your head when you say that. I know what you think I'm saying when I say that. You're thinking I'm saying exclusively Trump, protectionism, bashing immigrants, stuff like that. That's not what I'm saying. That is a form of populism. It's a form of right-wing populism. It's not the only one, and it's not certainly the only form of populism broadly see, broadly understood. The Tea Party movement was populist. You were there, and we were about cutting spending and cutting the size of government. That was the focus. It was populist. The Ron Paul movement that preceded that and happened during that and happened after that was a populist movement. When Jesse Jackson ran for president in 1984, it was called a populist movement. When hippies protested the Vietnam War in the 60s and early 70s, those were populist movements. Bernie Sanders running for president was a populist movement. These come from left, right, and everywhere in between. When the little guy challenges the the big guy. When regular people challenge the elites and the elites are like, you have to think this, you have to believe this, things are going to be this way because we're going to make them that way. And they're not because people rose up. That's populism. The Occupy Wall Street movement was a populist movement. Many of our friends say if Occupy and Tea Party could have got together, we could have done some more damage to elites. So that's my idea of populism. Libertarian populism in particular, I'm stealing the idea by permission from Timothy Carney of the Washington Examiner, who in 2015, when Mitt Romney was was sort of seen as the figurehead of, you know, the Republican Party he'd lost and all this stuff, he's like... Nah, we need to be against big business as much as we are big government. And he was sort of a symbol, obviously, of big business and big government. And Tim Carney was about, you know, going after the XM bank and things like that, uh, talking about health care, how we could seriously perform it, and a number of things that were libertarian issues. Uh, certainly the Fed, things like that, but that regular people could recognize. Why is inflation happening? It's way worse now. This song is about libertarian issues, I mean, you have nationalists on the right that say, you know, the Dems are going to be for big government anyway. We should do a right-wing version of that. This song is saying, I don't want any of that. I want these men in control to leave me alone. I don't like the dollars being devalued. I don't like taxes going up. That is libertarian populism. And I don't know why any libertarian left, right, in the middle, or identifying with none of those, would embrace this and want it.
1: At Kibbe on Liberty, freedom is a lifestyle 24-7, something you live and breathe and wear every day. If that describes you, you need the very best Liberty swag in the market today, just like this shirt I happen to be wearing. Go to KOL and check out our exciting merch. You too can love Liberty and look cool. Yeah, I'm going to quote my wife, Terry. Her Her favorite line on this subject is, Conservatives worry about the power of big government. Um, Liberals worry about the power of big business. Libertarians worry about the collusion of big business and big government, because that's what this song is about. When I hear that, and again, I'm interpreting, Mm -hmm. um, but he's obviously talking about Washington, D.C., but he's also talking about business elites that come to Washington. Imagine, say, a pharmaceutical company convinced certain committees of jurisdiction and certain bureaucrats that that they were going to mandate that you consume their product. Right. That's that's good for business. Sure. but it's it's unethical and disgusting and the polar opposite of what any libertarian would advocate and being against that is a populist position.
0: That's exactly right and advocating for what you just said is what the republican party people like romney traditionally have said this is capitalism this is good no it's cronyism it's big business working in tandem with big government to benefit themselves and maybe make things more expensive for us or hurt us in some way that was one of carney's uh targets as well we need to talk about corporatism and cronyism and go after that that's a populist position and it's the libertarian position
1: so i I think the This is a nice segue to what I want to talk about next. The elephant in the room. Um, Last week we saw the very first uh, Republican debate, and and I I sort of proudly didn't watch it. (laughs) I didn't watch Trump. I don't know how many hours he did with Tucker. I didn't watch Trump on Tucker um, because my. I, I knew that you would do it, so I decided I, I was I was going to listen. I'm the I was going to listen to a dead sh- dead show instead and and do that. But um, I, I want to lead with: Is that um, Tea Party, Ron Paul, Libertarian, populist wing of the Republican Party? Is it still alive, or is it just two guys? Is it just Rand Paul and Thomas Massey?
0: I think those are the purest forms. ...of it, and the most, uh, intentional forms, if that makes sense. It's not just them, and I think they would be the first to say that, um... You know, that debate, I saw lots of my old Ron Paul friends, I worked for the Ron Paul 2012 campaign, anybody vaguely familiar with me, I've been around the, the Paul family and that movement for a long time, as of, as of you and a lot of people we know, but I saw a lot of them saying that Vivek Ramaswamy is the new Ron Paul, and I was like, hold on, that's high praise, like hold on there, and I don't, I understand why they were saying that, but that's, that's not true, come on now guys, we have more respect for Ron Paul than that, and that's no diss on v- Vivek. But he was saying when Martha McCullum, the Fox News host, listed all these agencies that he had said prior that he would just get rid of, and she challenged him on that, he's like, yeah, I'm still going to do that. He talked about school choice, as they all did. He talked about lots of things that libertarians would care about, and he did it in defiance of, like, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, uh, Mike Pence, the establishment candidates who were up there preaching corporatism as you know, capitalism, saying all the same things. He was the only person on that stage, including Ron DeSantis, that said, no more USA to Ukraine, none. DeSantis said he would send it contingent on what Europe does. And the rest of them were like, nah, we're just going to send it. This is great. So, yeah, those are very libertarian positions. And when he's beating Ron DeSantis in polls, and Trump's beating everybody by 50 60%, but when he's beating them with that message, and you look on the Democratic side, you see RFK Jr. saying a lot of the things that are two things— what a Democrat would have said 20 years ago, but they've changed the priorities since, and also things that libertarians like that we might have liked. I liked 20 years ago, and I called myself a conservative, and people said I was liberal. So you got this mishmash of identity and you know political identity just switching around and flipping around, but I think that populist spirit is out there. It's in this election, and I think if you sat down with Rand Paul, he might say some of the same things I'm saying too. Maybe not. I don't speak for anyone, but it's out there.
1: So when I interviewed Vivek at Porkfest, which we turned into a show that we published about a month ago or something, he said, so I, I pushed him on his, his um, I think, uh, crazy idea of, of sort of doubling down on the war on drugs sure. in, in Mexico. Um, and he, he, he was obviously um, talking to the audience, but he said, look, I used to be a libertarian, so I'm sort of one of you guys, but I feel like this is an exception to my libertarianism and I I don't I don't know whether or not he's real or not and I and I'm, I've now been burned by um, almost every politician <laughs> that I've ever worked for with I think you mentioned the three that probably right. haven't been burned by and um, I'm willing to, to always be be skeptical and we should we should be but it is still true that even if he's saying it just because he thinks he'll win votes this is a good trend. Within the Republican Party and with, within the body politic generally, because he, uh, let's, let's assume he's a, a cynical um, a, a political guy that just wants to maximize his vote count. If he's talking like a libertarian to do that, that tells me that there's a market for those ideas. And I would say the same thing about RFK. Yes. Like, I, I don't know if RFK's had a sincere, um, I, I saw him speak at, at Porkfest as well. Right. And if I just if I didn't know who he was, and I didn't know the whole history of of the Kennedys or anything else, that was the best libertarian speech I ever heard. Yeah. To a word. Right. And and then you have to start to say, well, is he, is he pandering to that libertarian audience? Sure. Is he sincere about um, shifting away from some of these these? Global regulatory schemes that he was embracing, particularly on things like global warming, um, you know, he might be because he seems to have been transformed by the authoritarianism of and the anti-humanitarian nature of of lockdowns and vaccine mandates and all of that stuff. So I'm willing to to give them the benefit of the doubt, but we should be skeptical that maybe 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 they're just pandering for votes. But if if Vivek and RFK think that these very libertarian themes are how they're going to advance their political careers, liberty is not dead.
0: Exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. That's what I was going to say. I can't vouch for Vivek or RFK Jr.'s authenticity. I hope they're authentic. I would want to get behind somebody who's authentic. But I have to say, if they're both full of it, and they're just saying what they think they need to say, as you just said, to get votes, and those are the things they think they need to say— Well, thank you, Ron Paul, to a large degree in your two presidential runs. Thank you to all the work that his son Rand Paul has done. Thank you, whatever you think of the guy, to Trump standing on a South Carolina debate stage in 2016. I'm from South Carolina. It is or was Bush country. And saying to Jeb Bush, "Well, your brother lied. These people died. There was never any WMDs. You knew that and all the people on Fox and elsewhere were like, oh, he's done, and then he comes back and wins, but that's part of the the conversation on the right now about foreign policy. I think my friend uh, Jim Antle at the Washington Examiner said that 77% of the Republican vote in polls, if you average right now, belong to the people who are most hesitant about sending aid to Ukraine, with sort, sort of Trump, DeSantis, and Vivek might have been in there too, but that's 77%. So the other 30% are like, uh ah, Nikki Haley, maybe we should go, you know, send more troops to Ukraine or any troops to Ukraine. Or yes, Chris Christie, that's a great idea. That's not where the base is. And you saw it in spades on that debate stage. Um, you know, Trump made the point at one of the debates in 2016 when they were all booing him for saying some things we would like. And there's a lot wrong with Trump. I'm not Mr. Trump up here. And he said, You know, those people boo- booing me are donors, and people, who donors bring you these things. Well, that was kind of talked about last night. It's the same kind of situation. Glenn Greenwald was there, who's a wonderful journalist. And he noted, he was, you know, sitting in the audience that right down the middle, it was like donors, 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 donors. There were signs saying this is where the donors have people, and they will boo things we like, and they will cheer things that are establishment. So, yeah. Populism, libertarianism, it's out there in a a big way more than people realize, especially of those of us that identify as libertarians, and we see nothing but woe.
1: Yeah. Thank you for joining me today on Kibbe on Liberty and for being part of our fiercely independent audience. Every week, my organization, Free the People, partners with Blaze TV to bring you this show. My guests bring smart perspectives on everything from current events to timeless philosophical debates. If you like what you hear, go to freethepeople.org slash KOL and support Kibbe on Liberty so we can continue to produce these honest conversations with interesting people. Now, let's get back to it. And I, I, do, I do think, and I, I say this all the time, but... Uh, the last manifestation of what's actually happening in culture and in in political opinion is going to show up on a debate stage anyway. Like mm-hmm. this is this is a lagging indicator, but if you look, you mentioned Glenn Greenwald, but there's this there's this trend that I've been talking about for several years now of 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 a rising um, coalition of anti-authoritarians that are shocked by the censorship and and sh- shocked by the 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 anti human nature of of lockdowns and deciding who's essential and not essential and Glenn Greenwald a former proud card carrying lefty is one of those guys but there's a there's a whole army of them and and I think I think RFK can be explained in that same sure. trend as well
0: Absolutely. I think Greenwald said this about himself and Matt Taibbi in an interview in recent times he's like either Matt and I could completely forget about what we used to believe in and join this leftward trend and still have careers in that or we could believe what we've always believed is a as American progressives, and now we're right-wing. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happened. But I agree with you. There's this ecosystem out there. More people watch Joe Rogan or listen to Joe Rogan than watch CNN, by far. Um, you know, people laugh at Tucker being on X or Twitter. A lot of people watch that. It might have been more people that watch the debates. I don't know. I haven't looked at the number. But there's this. It's people that have been around for a long time, and some people are new. Uh, Bill Maher, I think, is part of that. He's a guy that's been, you know, part of the elite for a long time but he will say like no these masks are bs or you know the vaccine doesn't prevent you he would say stuff like that and all his lefty friends would get mad but he would he would say that I think you know based politics we see that more people are trusting independent voices than establishment and legacy media so you might not you might like Tucker Carlson but you might not trust Fox people might like Mike Kibbe but not trust the big big institutions they might trust my colleagues brad palumbo or hannah cox or me but maybe not you know some large new york times or the washington post i think you're going to see more of that more people moving to independent media and getting away from the people who want to have total control over what's news and what you think and whatnot and i think that's resonating with people who don't think about right and left or conservative and liberal they're just like who's telling the truth anymore and they gravitate to things like that
1: yeah and that 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 Goes to one more dynamic on the debates that I find is fascinating. And it, it's that, uh, I don't know what the numbers are either, but I am certain that that Tucker's interview with Donald Trump did pretty well. Yeah. It performed extremely well. And, and I, I look forward to comparing that to, to how the Fox News debate did. But one of the things that I thought was interesting, kind of inside baseball, but Fox News had very restrictive rules on on allowing, other news channels, these independent sources that you're talking about. If you, if you shared too much of the Fox News debate in your commentary on Blaze politics, they're gonna come down on you like a ton of bricks. And, and I, it strikes me as, as a desperate legacy media company trying to stop the inevitable, which is uh, Tucker interviewing Trump on Twitter. That's the new world. Or they're gonna go on Rogan, or they're gonna go on Base Politics, or they're gonna come on My Show, or they're gonna to go to a million other places where they can get their message out without without the media industrial complex sort of dictating what they have to say. And and I'm wondering why the RNC allowed for I assume it's the RNC that, that they had agreed to it. Yeah. So so why did they allow Fox to host all of these candidates except Trump, but not allow that message to spread to its maximum extent is that is that like helping trump is that is this what uh um who's the head of the rnc i'm blanking
0: uh is that ronna mcdaniel yeah. she's still the head of it yeah maybe it's that i think it's shameful it, you know news outlets have always been able to use footage
1: of debates um yeah those are those accepted rules
0: right in a in a Democratic Republic you want to hear what all the candidates are saying and then make an informed decision about how you're going to vote right all these people screaming about oh threats to democracy well that's just basic democratic behavior what did vivek Ramos Swami say what did Nikki Haley say I bring up Nikki Haley a lot because I'm from South Carolina where she was governor but what did any of these people say and the idea that you would just control it hey y'all can only use two to three minutes I think is what they said yeah a footage from this debate I do think that's a desperate move. I think it's, look, I look at the RNC, the DNC, these major cable outlets. Um, it's all one big part of an elite group that want to control. They want to control who you vote for president. They didn't want Trump to happen. And I've never voted for Trump. If I come across that way, I'm not. But that's not who they wanted. Are they trying to get back to picking who they wanted? Or is she on Trump's side now and he's part of it? I don't know. Yeah. But it, it's not healthy. It's not good. And I think it's shameful. It might, it might have just been like an incumbent business
1: trying to cling to their position of authority, Um, but you know, it's kind of over, and I'm thinking of of that earlier debate that uh, Blaze TV, which hosts Mm -hmm. this show as well, um, they had Tucker Carlson interview the candidates, and I read about that everywhere. I didn't read about it on Blaze TV, I read about it anywhere, and I'm thinking, in the new world, and on Blaze TV or Fox News, Mm -hmm. I want everybody talking about my show.
0: Absolutely. Like
1: that's that's a that it's more decentralized business model. So you're you're not going to control the narrative, but you can you can amplify the narrative, and you can make sure everybody knows that if you really want to know what happened at the Republican debate, you probably need to go back to X. Sure. I, I guess I can't say that anymore since there is an X.
0: It's <laughs> well, so confusing. Speaking of the blaze and where we're at, what happened to Glenn Beck with iTunes taking his stuff down? Now, they said it was a glitch or something and it might have been. And I think uh, Glenn Beck even said it might have been, but I won't be surprised if you see more glitches moving forward. I think he's absolutely right about that.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was a glitch. I I think they they tried to get away with it and, and the, couldn't. the public outrage was so high that that they couldn't do it. I tend to agree um, with you. They want to, and all I I need to know about um, Apple um, somehow losing Glenn's podcast is what they tried to do to Joe Rogan on Spotify, but they couldn't because they they couldn't afford to do it.
0: I think that was a moment, you know, a lot of people talk about woke and the the concept of being woke, and you know, I lean right, I don't like woke. Woke to me is something very specific, it's leading to what you said. It's not just you're concerned about social justice, for lack of a better term. Ron Paul wants to see the drug war ended so less black and brown people are in prison. That's social justice. It's not woke. Woke is... I believe these things, and if you don't, you're a bad person, you're a racist. I have a right to my opinion. You don't even have a right to an opinion or exist if you disagree with me. Yeah. That illiberal aspect is key to woke, and a lot of people don't get that. Where I think this started moving in the other direction, where people are like, we're tired of this censorship, being told what to do. These woke people were the Dave Chappelle special a couple years ago, where they, they tried to get him kicked off Netflix, and they demanded it. But it was so popular that the Netflix head was like, nah, sorry if y'all or butt hurt, got your feelings hurt, see ya, bye. Uh, Joe Rogan, when they tried to kick him off, which you just mentioned, and Spotify's like, "Eh, he's making us a lot of money and he's not going anywhere, and millions of people like him more than are watching CNN, as I've said earlier. I think that was a breaking point where these people, these illiberal whatever you want to call them, but woke is a label that's frequently applied, think. And they're in tandem with the institutions and the corporations that have this sort of mindset too. Those people always thought, well, we could cancel these people. We control the narrative. They're gone. They have to think what we think. And I think the Chappelle and the Rogan thing was the beginning of, I guess we can't always do that. These guys are going to go out there and do what they do. And if we don't like it, we can't control it. I thought it was a beautiful thing but for me and people could debate this that was the turning point where things are starting to get better
1: yeah Uh, this this randomly reminds me of the top performing video that free the people ever had that YouTube took down and it was an interview with Ron Paul Mm -hmm. about masks um, in the summer of 2020 and of course dr. Paul is a doctor Mm-hmm. and, and he, his opinion about masks would have something to do with this. I, I assume you know this, but, but he refused to, to get on a plane as right. long as there was a mask mandate because he, was, he, was, he thought it was so irrational sure. and so stupid, but there was this this vignette where I said, do masks work? And you know what his answer was, that um, no, there's no evidence of this, and, and he went on to talk about his practice and, and sure. what masks actually do. They took that down, and it, it was it was it was killing it on YouTube, and it was it was really growing our channel. Um, and here we are in 2023, and some people are still not ris- listening to Ron Paul on masks. Right. There is talk about um, bringing masks back. Our favorite uh, news source, CNN, says it may be time to break out the mask against COVID. Some experts say. Um, I didn't click on the article because
0: you were gonna get really mad. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: are, are are we gonna wear masks again? i not.
0: Um, I don't think most people will. I mean, we we kind of follow politics and stuff, and it that's all tied up in you know the COVID pandemic and what happened. I don't think. Like, I'm thinking of my mom. Like, she's gonna be like, "The hell with this." You know, and she's she's not making a statement. She don't want to wear a damn mask anymore because it doesn't work. And we all kind of know that now. Yeah. Like it didn't do anything. Um, I think the vaccine for older people might have helped very old or unhealthy people. But like no kids died of, you know, there are so many things that we learned going through this experience. All of us together that experts that were ignored, Ron Paul being one of them, were told, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong throughout the pandemic. But now that we're on the other side of it. No, if you got vaccinated, you could get it again. You could also spread it. Like, all those things were true that we were told they're not true. That is the people in charge, whether it's the CDC or whoever, saying we control the narrative. Even if these things aren't true, even if you, regular American, are witnessing these things not being true, they are true because we say they are. And that bubble's burst.
1: If you made it this far into the show, it means I must be doing something right. Kibbe on Liberty is just one of the amazing products we created for the people. We tell emotionally compelling stories and produce educational videos for the Liberty Curious. Our award-winning documentaries personalize all things liberty, independence, creativity, hard work, integrity, and perseverance. After the show, check out our work at freethepeople.org. And if you like what you see, donate to support what we do. That's freethepeople.org. Now back to the show. I love I love constantly moving the goalposts, but but the but the logic of them telling us starting in 2020 through 2021, 2022, that if you do these certain things, if you put up with these certain authoritarian um, destruction of your of your basic rights, you know we're going to tell you that you're non-essential. We're going to tell you that you have to accept this medical procedure if you want to keep your job. We're gonna tell you that you have to wear a mask if you go outside. We're gonna tell you that that you can't go swimming alone right. off the coast of California or that we're gonna throw you in jail. Um, they told us if we did all those things, COVID would disappear. Right. We will eradicate COVID. And now they're telling us that we have to do all those things again because COVID is back and is, are the people that still embrace the logic of, of, of lockdowns going to be called out for their hypocrisy on this?
0: Um, yes, but it won't matter. And this is what I mean by that. And I've said this to you in the past. These people really believe this stuff, even if it's totally proven not to be true. And they're not stupid. I mean, some of them might be stupid, but it's not because of their intelligence level or anything like that. That's where a lot of people's minds would go when something like that becomes such a part of your identity, who you are, who you are, it's not about what's true and not true anymore, it's about what you want to happen and what you don't want to happen, who you like and who you don't like. So one example of that would be there was a 2-year investigation into whether Donald Trump colluded with Russia to fix the 2016 election. And after 2 years, Robert Mueller, the the uh, the guy that Most people who were cheering him on, wanted, you know, they knew he was going to find something, found nothing. Now, you talk to your average Democratic voter. It could be somebody famous or just a regular person and ask them something about that. And a lot of them in polls show this. I'm not making it up. Believe that Trump colluded with Russia. You can't go for two or four years believing that. I hate this man. You know, he colluded with Russia. And then you finally does. He's like, that just hurts too much. That hurts too much for them. I would say this about a lot of Republicans who think the 2020 election was stolen. I don't believe it was stolen. I believe there are uh you know things wrong with any election, but it didn't rise to the level of it being stolen. But you can't tell many of my right-leaning friends that. They're like, hey, You don't know nothing. Blah, 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 blah. With the COVID stuff, these people, it became a religion to them. I know a lot of my Democratic voting friends, and these are people who I love and adore, and I've known since childhood, but they just happened to vote different from me and look different from me. They were so excited during COVID. I would make everybody get a vaccine. I would make everybody wear a mask. and Just like pumping their fist. And now that we all know it's kind of BS, and even they do to a degree, to to the degree that they can admit it, they just don't talk about it anymore. It was such a part of who they were. I think that is the factor more than any logic or or anything else. Posting
1: your your vaccine band-aid on Twitter was was a form of bragging about, um, I just took the Holy Sacrament.
0: Right. I, I live here in Old Town, Alexandria, and I like to exercise. I like to walk or ride my bike. I was thinking the other day when I was walking down the street, man, it used to be American flag, Ukraine, Ukraine, American, American, Ukraine. oh, that didn't mean to do that. Um, <laughs> do we need to check on that? or? No, no it's sorry.
1: I I was walking. It's, a, it's just my camera. We don't need that
0: one. <laughs> I didn't know I was doing that. But I was walking, and I noticed it was... I couldn't find a Ukraine flag the other day. Now, my heart goes out to the people in Ukraine and the tragedy that's happening there, but that's been a political statement since the U.S. began fighting this proxy war over there and sending so much aid. If you're on the left and tend to vote Democrat, I'm for helping these people in Ukraine and some of these Tea Party-level Republicans are nasty people who just want them to suffer. That's not what's going on at all. But that's how it was in their mind, and I saw less flags, but I don't really hear people saying, well, maybe the war's not going the way we thought it would And Maybe we should do something else at this point. They never say it. It just kind of stopped talking about it. They've moved on. Yeah. But all these things are part of different people's identities, and they can't let go of them a lot of the time.
1: I think Elon Musk should release release the data that shows the trend lines, because there was a time when both the the vaccine syringe, -hmm. syringe, it's a hard word to say, and the Ukrainian flag went together inexplicably. Right. The same people. But, but I haven't seen as many lately, mm-hmm. and and so I, I'm waiting to see what the next big thing is. I don't know what it's going to be.
0: It'll be something, and once again, there are right-wing versions of this. This is how human pe- pe- beings are. That's just what it yeah. is, for good or ill.
1: Uh, speaking of... of, by, by the way, for the record, over my dead body, will I be complying with the next round of, of COVID uh, uh, security theater?
0: Absolutely. There won't be masks...
1: Right. There won't, there won't be vaccines, there won't be, if they, if they wanna lock me in my house, they're gonna have a hard time doing that unless they actually arrest me. Because I think, I think compliance, like silence, and and not um, speaking up was the problem. And I think in a lot of ways, we might still be doing a lot of these things it wasn't for Canadian truckers right. saying enough is enough. And it, it breaks my heart that the Canadians saved us and our liberties, but yeah. I, think, I think it's probably true. So this time I think we should all encourage each other to peacefully resist all of these things before they try to get them back because that, that will force airlines and businesses to say, you know what, um, there's too many people and my business can't sustain that because they also fell into line. Everybody fell into line.
0: I don't think you're going to have to encourage them too much. What I think is going to happen, I can't predict the future, is people went through this the first time. And a lot of people, we might have had ideas about it or been against it, but a lot of people were like, well, maybe this does help. Maybe this is the right thing. To, maybe this will work. And a lot of people are like, ah, this is BS or whatever. But that's not going to be the experience the second time around. Most people would be like, none of this works. This is stupid. Yeah. And I think they're just not going to comply. Yeah. So...
1: I hope that's true, but uh, we pivot to accountability. Um, you just wrote a piece um, on base politics, well, maybe maybe a week or two ago, Rand Paul sends criminal referral accusing Anthony Fauci of lying to Congress about gain-of-function research. We all knew he was lying at the time. This, mm-hmm. this, this refers to those, those famous uh, confrontations between Senator Paul and Fauci mm-hmm. in a Senate committee hearing Um, But now, thanks to the Twitter files and a number of FOIA requests, we can document the fact that Fauci knew damn well that they were financing gain-of-function research. How is this going to play out?
0: Well, hopefully it plays out at all. Uh, You know, Rand has put out this, Senator Rand Paul has put out this referral saying we need to investigate this to the the DOJ and AG and all this. What's been done? He has, on video, him asking, and I told people this at the time, especially my left-leaning friends, like, what is Rand Paul talking about, this lab leak thing, this conspiracy theory? I said, look, I don't know, but having worked for the man, if he's asking about it, he knows something we don't know. This is for a reason. He's just not spouting off. And we learned, however many years it's been later, two or three years, when he asked about that, when he asked about gain-of-function Research and if we were funding it and National Institutes of Health and all that, and Fauci is like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. He has him on camera time and time and time again of saying outright lies, talking you know under oath in Congress, which is completely illegal, and we have it on tape. He Rand made the referral, and you had asked how it's going to play out. What's been done? That goes back to what I was talking to earlier. A lot of people involved in this who were on Fauci's side throughout are like. Manny has the evidence, but you know what? We'll just pretend it didn't happen because that's not who we are. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Yeah. Don't go after, you know, Trump and these indictments and how that plays out. Like, that's part of who they are, too, so they must do this. But what about this illegality over here involving Fauci? That's the that's what I'm seeing right now. I don't yeah. know what adult can step in that's higher than a U.S. senator and be like, we got to do something about this. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer
1: to that. I think the, the, the problem... Is so much bigger than Fauci that there's a lot of culpability deep, deep, deep at yes. the highest ranks of government. They're covering their ass. And we're, I think, um, and this is what this is what Rand is getting at. The deeper you, that the, the, the deeper you dig, you discover this entire program financed by your tax dollars that was basically a mad science experiment. We're gonna, right. in the name of of biosecurity, um, we're gonna figure out. Any possible viral threat, we're going to go into the back caves. We're going to dig it out. Then we're going to take them to labs and manipulate it. Um, enough scientists blew the whistle on this during the Obama administration right. that there was an ostensible ban on this kinds of research. So suddenly, the same people that were very openly advocating—Fauci wrote a journal article advocating for gain of function research, saying, "You know what? No matter, even if there is a leak, the." the The benefits outweigh the costs. Right. I would love to hear him say that today. I bet you he never would. But um, the problem is, there are so many very powerful people culpable for what turns out to have been a a tragic leak in a very subpar lab in China, which was an end run around the ban. So I think I think I think Rand is actually just scratching the surface. Yeah. And, and maybe the, the only thing that protects Fauci is he, he knows where a lot of bodies are buried that, that those guys don't want to become part of this narrative.
0: And uh, you're probably right about that. They protect their own. And, I mean, he outright lied from the beginning in something that affected all of humanity, it affected the entire world, this thing. Yeah. And if it originated there and our funding had something to do with it and it was recognized earlier on that this gain-of-function research, research was bad and what could happen and something like that did happen and nobody wants to talk about it, Yeah, I, I don't know what you'd even do with that. In a
1: very practi- I, I understand why bureaucrats would cover their asses, sure. particularly with something as, as horrific as this. But in a very practical sense, diverting attention from its origins – change the trajectory of our response right which means that people died unnecessarily because they lied so this this is a big deal um and i hope i hope rand keeps banging away but we you may need a friendlier administration but i'm not sure that that both parties don't have their hands dirty on this thing
0: well that's the thing you know i expect us i expect desantis at some point to hammer trump on him being behind covid policy in the beginning, which DeSantis did for a week or two himself. But that has to be part of this, too. Like, I think Rand might get further with what he's trying to do and revealing Fauci in a big way and all the lies that were told and whoever else was involved in this. But maybe under a Republican administration of any type that could happen, maybe if it's Trump again, he wants to cover his butt, too. I, I don't know. I do think it's more likely if it wasn't Joe Biden who was in charge right now. But how do you have any trust in institutions if you're a regular American and you see this stuff every day? To the degree that anybody's paying attention. But Yeah.
1: that's One of the many um, victims of this has been the credibility of public health and science itself because one of the things we've learned in this process is that science itself has been corrupted right. um, by centralization. I mean, it's basically, they basically replaced this decentralized scientific process with... A central plan, right? And that's no way to discover anything, because if you're wrong, you're like really wrong, right? And I think that's where we ended up in this case.
0: I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think the stakes are too high that they're just going to keep playing dumb as long as they can.
1: Okay, Miguel. In a couple seconds, I'm going to hand the microphone over to you. So think about what your question is. <laughs> um, we're going to we're going to close with the best thing. Um, but I have one more subject before sure. we go on to wrestling, which obviously is the most important subject.
0: We'll probably do about three hours on that. Yeah,
1: and and since I know nothing about it, Miguel's going to ask the question. <laughs> um, but you wrote another piece at Base Politics, which which sort of confounds me, and I, I could easily veer off into conspiracy theories. And that's the the taming of Bernie Sanders. Right. I was at a, a hearing a couple years ago on authorization of the use of military force. Mm -hmm. And Rand Paul had put that hearing together, Senator Mike Lee was there, um, fantastic on this subject. Uh, Kamala Harris was there, she didn't say a damn word because I don't think she knew what was going on. (laughs) Um, But Bernie Sanders, the senator from Vermont, gave this impassioned critique of American foreign interventionism and I, I told these guys um, and we we're we we're filming that day and you, you can somewhere we we've sort of did a clip up of this hearing. Um, I told these guys, I think I'm a Bernie bro now. Right. Well, that Bernie's gone. <laughs> Bernie is gone. Where, where'd he go?
0: Well, so Ron Paul was an outsider the entire time he was in Congress. Right. He's the same Ron Paul today throughout that thing, the whole thing. He got very popular household name level in 2008 and 2012 because of his presidential campaigns, but nobody was ever supposed to know about him or have had the impact he he eventually had. But it happened, and he never sold out his principles, and he remains the same man today. Bernie Sanders was a similar thing. He's a guy, unless you were in Vermont, you didn't really know about, or you just were really into American socialism, you might know about him, but he was not a household name. He became that through a populist movement. I knew Ron Paul people. It went over to Bernie. You flirted with the idea, hey, I'm a Bernie bro. He just really blasted the military industrial complex or whatever. And I was all down with that stuff too. He's a regular Democrat at this point. I think think Matt Taibbi or somebody like that, they were asking him who he liked. He said, I used to like Bernie, but he's a regular Democrat now. And I'll give you one big example of that. You asked what happened. I think he's learned to, instead of being an outsider, he kind of likes being part of the club now. I really think that when the Progressive Caucus, however long, many months ago that was, sent out an anti-war statement to the White House, basically saying there's no way to really win this. We should seek a negotiated peace and we can't, U.S. shouldn't spend all this money. It's the anti-war position on this. I mean, to be on the side of Raytheon and and Boeing and funding the war machine in a war they're not going to, to the detriment of all these Ukrainians that are dying in a war that they're probably not going to win, that is the anti-war position. Bernie was the first to say, what the hell is this statement? This is bad. This is wrong. And then all the Democratic Party establishment, Nancy Pelosi in particular, told AOC was part of that. Ro Khanna was part of that. Told these progressives, nah, you're not doing that. They retracted it within 24 hours. What happened to Bernie Sanders? He's a part of that mess. Yeah. Because those were progressives who were pretty anti-war. Ro Khanna was my favorite c- congressman among all of them, and he's going along with this too, so I don't know what the hell's going on. You ask me what happened to Bernie, I think it's that. I think he's ditched his principles for whatever power or, or standing he has now in the Democratic Party. That's what it looks like to me.
1: I think there's a Bernie file that every, every time he tries to go back to the old Bernie, they, they open the file and say, Bernie, we have this on you.
0: There might be, and I mentioned earlier in 2016. him you know, he's just coming off a second presidential run. He's pretty much the Bernie that we liked more, even if we disagreed with him. Saying, "Let's talk about the working class and not identity politics," and they swatted him down. Yeah. But instead of doing what Ron Paul might do and he talk about it more, he just kind of shut up.
1: Yeah, he, so, lo- he lost his auth- authenticity. He did. And and I, I remember when when a lot of uh, presumed. Rand Paul voters who had voted for Ron Paul in Iowa, um, we were losing a lot of the young people to Bernie. Right. And that's that, that was old Bernie, not new Bernie. Right. Sad, sad. Okay, we're gonna talk about the, the economic disruption in <laughs> professional wrestling, and my guest host, Miguel, is going to All join right. us and, and ask you questions.
0: It's
2: about time we talked about something serious.
0: And I didn't tell him I was
1: gonna do this, so
2: we'll, <laughs> we'll see how are Real questions. This sure. what really matters. But kind of to follow up, um, I guess into a lot of issues that are going on. So, as you know, this Sunday is AEW All In is going All to Elite be in wrestling. Yes, All Elite Wrestling Wembley by TNA, which is going to be in Wembley Stadium. And what I want to ask you, I guess it's kind of like a one-on-one, mm-hmm. like a one-on-one on like free market, sure. As far as what competition for in the wrestling industry means, as far as like WWE finally having a competitor within the state. Sure, it means a whole lot. So,
0: just to give this broad picture, uh Sunday, August 27th, mm-hmm. All In, which I guess would have happened by then. All In is a pay-per-view at Wembley Stadium in which the amount of people there in attendance has broken the WWE's records. It's broken
2: WrestleMania I, 3 now.
0: Yeah, all Crazy. of them. Every WrestleMania, <laughs> any the biggest crowd you could think of. Hulk Hogan slamming Andre the Giant, it beat all those records. This is a <laughs> company that's 4 years old. Now, billionaire Vince McMahon, I know a lot of people, my friends who don't know anything about wrestling, when they think mm. of wrestling, that and, w- <laughs> that and WWE are interchangeable. I-, I could say wrestling, I could say WWE, they think I'm talking about the same thing. Yeah. All Elite Wrestling began in 2019 by Shad Khan and his son Tony Khan who runs this thing, who owned the Jacksonville Jaguars, they own the Fulham Soccer Club and a lot of other things. They've got more money than Vince McMahon. To your point about free markets, wrestlers, if they want to be on the major stage in the big leagues, now Mm -hmm. have two places they can go, WWE and AEW. There are a lot of people in WWE who want to woo people away from AEW and vice versa. (laughs) Those wrestlers have leverage in that economy now. It's not WWE saying, hey, where are you going to go? They can do that. WWE's ratings are higher than ever right now. Why? Because AEW has a strong television deal with Warner Brothers Discovery, right? Mm -hmm. Competition. The reason they were able to beat the attendance records is that's how many people are excited in Europe, and I'm sure a lot of them Americans are flying over there oh, for sure. to attend a, an event Wempley Stadium of wrestling all day long that WWE is going to be jealous of. Don't think they're going to you know, take this laying down. Oh, yeah. So if we're talking about free markets, competition, what it does not only for the consumers, but the people working in the business, in this instance the wrestlers, <laughs> and most importantly the fans, which would be the consumers, that's all happened and it's thanks to another company being there and there being competition so as libertarians and admirers of the free market and capitalists that's what's going on in pro wrestling right now as far as capitalism and free markets is concerned it's pretty cool
2: oh definitely 100 percent cool so that's one more question sure who you're not going to wrestle me are you oh no no i'd <laughs> <You'd I>, win <laughs> no don't don't hit me with a suplex on this table anytime soon that's the last thing i want last last question which is a prediction Who would dethrone Roman Reigns? I think it'll be Cody Rhodes at
0: WrestleMania in Philly this year. And I think that because that's their biggest babyface star. He's like a John Cena type and Roman's a heel. And I think Roman Reigns, which is The Rock's cousin for people who don't know, who's the current WWE heavyweight champion, wants to go make some more movies. He was in a Fast and Furious, (laughs) and I think that's what's on his. I think he'll still be in wrestling. I think he'll even be champion again once he's dethroned. But I think Cody Rhodes, who's the son of the late Dusty Rhodes, mm-hmm. is a huge babyface in WWE. The last live show I went to after the main event, which he was in, he stuck around for 45 minutes and talked to every kid, oh, and yeah. signed everything, and took pictures. And that's not—I guess it's part of his job because he's a big babyface. But you don't have to do that, and that he did. True.
2: Yeah. And a lot of a lot of people will actually credit this competition and the salary of wrestlers growing mm-hmm. from the competition to Cody Rhodes for starting. All In, or I guess it started with All In, right, 2018?
0: It would be, yeah, and to reference what you're talking about, before AEW AEW, existed, the inspiration for it was... Uh, somebody saying in wrestling journalism, since the collapse of Ted Turner's World Championship Wrestling in 2000 or 2001, no other company has been able to have a show with 10,000 people in attendance. Well, Cody Rhodes and some other wrestlers said, "I'll take that bet," and independently they organized a show where 10,000 people from around the country went, and that's when the Khan family, Tony Khan in particular, got the idea for All Elite Wrestling, and the rest is history. Well,
2: the rest is history, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right.
0: Good and talking so, to you, Miguel. Oh,
2: definitely. I don't even know how to end this. I'm just nervous. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool being up here, though. I, oh. but alright. I guess it ends there.
1: <laughs> Thanks for watching. If you liked the conversation, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and also ring the bell for notifications. And if you want to know more about Free the People, go to freethepeople.org.